All right. Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook. My name is James Kay, and as always, I'm joined by Chris Pennant. Chris, how are you doing today, man? We've got a lot to discuss on the pod today. I am high in the friendly sky. Not exactly, but, you know, <laughs> I'm here, James. Jimmy K. it's good to be back as always, even if what we're talking about is not so great, but let's get into it. Absolutely, man. Actually, even before we even get into all of the WNBA news that we're going to go over today, I mean, I have to ask an important question at the top of this. Who is taller, Stephanie Dolson or Azrae Stevens? That's Azrae. Azrae <laughs> got that. Um, it was... It was it's very close on the photo, but it's still pretty clear. She is just a bit taller. I think it's going to be really interesting what James Wade is going to be able to do with this rotation now. Because, like, Ezra, it would be kind of interesting, like, in small ball lineups if she could be, like, a stretch five, like Steph. Uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, Ezra, I mean, like, just is so much taller than Stephanie Dolson, right? I mean, it's just so clear after uh, James Wade tweeted that out today. Um, I just love how much the Sky Show Shy is involved with uh, with the organization that, you know, everyone's opened up to him. It's just the best. But, you know, in all seriousness, Chris, I mean, the WNBA is set to return on July 24th. So there's going to be a 22-game regular season before the playoffs. And the playoffs are the same format as last year as well. So we talked a little bit about this, uh, just exchanging some DMs. But do you think this is a good idea just with, all the information that we're getting from Florida, from the league. Um, I mean, where are your thoughts on, like, just where is your mind about, like, where we're at with this thing? No, it's not a good idea. It's, it's, it's not. There is been, there has been a dramatic spike in cases in Florida, particularly in South Florida. Um, I don't think, I, I was checking some news the other day in Miami-Dade and Broward and I believe uh, Homestead County, I might have the third wrong, but they had still been on uh, pretty pretty uh, strict restrictions still, but the rest of Florida was in a kind of phase two or phase three reopening plan as of June 5th. And since then, the cases have just spiked in Florida. Uh, Pinellas County, which is where, uh, which is Tampa Bay. Uh, and I know we're not talking about MLB right now, but uh, where the Rays are playing, their average cases per day went from 19 to 75. Mm -hmm. And I believe in the Orlando area, it's has been the same. There's basically been a, a hundred plus percent increase in the number of average cases. And these are taken, you know, not on a, a daily most of the time, I'm looking at the Johns Hopkins uh, chart of, you know, are, you know, have states flattened the curve and they take a three day moving average um, when they, when they show peaks and valleys in their chart. And if you look at Florida, since the reopening date of June, of that June 5th date, which is also happy birthday to me. <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> On June 7th, they were averaging about 1,139 new cases per day. Since then, their last data point is June 22nd. That's 15 days. That number has gone up to 3,235. 3, so some quick math, that's 284%. Yeah. No, it's insane. There have been over 7,000 cases, like confirmed cases in Florida 
in the last two days alone. And there's already being pushback about... <laughs> no, no, keep going. Sorry. Pushback. Keep going. What were you saying? I was, I was going to say it actually peaked on the 20th and it was 300 or so higher that they were averaging. But keep going. Go ahead with what you were saying. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it's just kind of insane just how there's also just pushback in Florida right now for residents to wear masks. And at the federal level, I mean, we've already seen that this administration is put, is also pushing back on testing. They're closing, I believe they're closing seven test centers that were funded by the federal government. And even Ted Cruz is pushing back on that one as well. So, you know, this is a serious issue that increasingly is not being taken as seriously as it should be. I just, and even at, like, again, at the WNBA level, and I hear a lot of people talking about the NBA, about how they have, you know, they're going to have these luxury suites <laughs> or they're going to be in these great hotels and they have all these resources to make sure that their players are taken care of. But the WNBA, I think that even Bill Lambeer was saying this on one of those talk shows on ESPN, just about how the players are kind of in the dark about like some of these other resources that are going to be given to the WNBA and there's clearly a disparity there that exists. Um, and that was true even before the pandemic, but that I just, with all these question marks around safety and, you know, I do have skepticism around the WNBA and it, its players being able to get the resources it needs to stay safe. And you just look at, a, you know, like we just talked about Florida just being kind of pushing back on all of this. Like, I just can't believe that this is, there's not more players that are actually just dropping out and, I mean, there's already been, we've, we're going to get into this later, but that we've already seen some big names drop out. I'm surprised that there haven't been more. And I'm sure that, you know, we're recording this on, July, on June 24th, that even by the time this is posted, there will be more players that have come out and said that they are out on this thing. But I just can't blame anyone who is, has any sort of trepidation about entering this bubble because I feel like it easily could be popped. Oh, without doubt. It's just, it's not even tenuous. It's not like this is a domino waiting to fall. That's really in terms of the players, which one of, uh, which player on a given day is going to say that the risks outweigh, outweigh the rewards. This is factual data that this is happening. Palm Beach County, and I know, I kind of know what you were referencing. Uh, Palm Beach County, the, the County Board of Commissioners took a vote today whether to mandate wearing masks in public and uh, it passed unanimously. All seven commissioners voted to make it unanimous. And people were screaming at them in the voting chamber. <laughs> yeah. And that was after people had um, not testified, but they'd given their accounts and opinions, basically support or, um, or, or, put, or non-support. You know, they were either supporting the, the measure or, or not. But somebody said is like a friend of mine, and I think that prior to this, she had been she had not been wearing a mask. She hadn't she had been against wearing a mask. This person and her friend went to the beach without a mask, um, contracted contracted COVID, and has been sick. Has been very sick, and she said is like I saw all these people around me not wearing masks, and I thought it was okay. That's the really big thing. A lot of people are followers on this mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons that we don't that I can't get into, I'm not a sociologist, and we don't even have time to get into, but not everybody is formulating their own opinion on this. And it's not that it's bad or good, it's just what we're gonna have to deal with. So when you have that, people who are following crowds, whichever crowd they may be, 
those people are affecting other people who are at risk. And that's just creating a domino effect, uh, a ripple effect, what have you. But the person leading this is the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. Mm -hmm. And he is a, he is a known asshole. <laughs> so he is not going to do the right thing here. And for these sports to decide that Florida is the best place to do this. I mean, Arizona would probably be a better place, but they're dealing with their own spike in coronavirus cases. Exactly. So there's really nowhere, unless you, unless everybody wants to pack their bags and come up here to Chicago, which I don't even want because the potential for a, a, a further spike here is still possible. There's no point in playing. There's just no point in endangering the health of your money makers. It's, it's an entertainment business. So why put your business at risk? That's what I don't get. Out of all the commissioners that are out there, I have 100% trust in Kathy Engelbert, especially what she's been able to do. I think, I think we've approached the anniversary of her becoming commissioner of the WNBA. Um, you know what? I, I trust her instincts. And actually, I think our first podcast was talking about like the, the was, hyper, yeah. you know, talking about like, I, you know, I was, I was hoping that she would come out with a statement after this, another WNBA team was, you know, saddled um, or trapped at the airport. And, you know, I have a, a complete 180 on that. I mean, I think she's amazing. Um, and she has alluded to, you know, trying to move the location of this thing. They've, they've come up with different locations for this. I, I don't know if that's been published anywhere. I'd be interested to see what places that she has in mind, but I just don't think this is safe anywhere you go. And we've already seen it affect college athletics for, you know, I think college athletes have been deemed essential workers, which Okay. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's just complete lunacy. I mean, once this, once we get, actually get this thing going, I just, it, it wouldn't surprise me by the end of August that it's gone because we've already seen it impacted college athletes. I think that especially if this, what the WNBA season is going to run from July through October, that's the plan. The second wave of this is expected to come in September. So what mm -hmm. happens when this all comes like, <laughs> you know this all comes falling down on us you know what i mean and like i don't even want to say us like the players in the league who made this investment put the time in risk their health um put other issues off to the side like police brutality and racial equity that you know they wanted to buy into this season because the lead up to it from last off season was you know like from this uh past off season i should say has been incredible and like we've seen the new cba like i understand why the everyone wants to get this going it just I think we're going to have to face the reality here that it just doesn't make sense during a pandemic. Yeah, it really doesn't. When we had Ricky on, when we had, when we had Ricky Hill on the show, I was openly wondering whether the league could survive canceling the season just based on a loss of momentum, a loss yeah. of visibility. But now it's, it's necessary. It's just necessary, right? Mm -hmm. You have a smaller pool of players from, from which to choose you have the lesser visibility. So, I mean, imagine if you lose, say, imagine if three of last year's all-star team contract coronavirus and they're out for two months, just two months. You know, if they're out for eight weeks. Cases vary in severity very much. And again, I am not a medical professional. I have not gone to medical school. The best experience I've gotten is watching Scrubs. 
because <laughs> they had very good information on their show. Scrubs is pretty true to it. But there was a case in the Chicagoland area where a woman, I think at Northwestern, had to have a double lung transplant. And they showed a picture of her lung. And it looked like, uh, like my man Kyle Means from War Media said, it looked like crispy bacon. Yeah. So you have the chance, just the chance, for one of your players to have this come down, to have this happen. So if you, even if they're out for eight weeks, say if, if three of those all-stars, if Erica Wheeler and Allie Quigley and, you know, Elena Deladon, just to take a superstar, if those, if three of the, if those three players are out for, for eight weeks and the respiratory damage that they have is irreparable to some point, like they're not going to be at their previous respiratory respiratory capacity. That's a drop in play that you have from marquee players. Yeah. And that's going on over time. And that's with the fact that we don't know yet how to eradicate this virus. So they can carry it even if they recover. So they have the chance to infect other people. It's it's this isn't the Michael Jordan headache analogy because that was a broken foot, you know, that's localized. That's something for him only. This is endangering everybody. Mm -hmm. So why take the chance? Well, I hate to say this, like I think it's a little bit of a dumb argument, but I'm just gonna put it out there anyway. Like if economics weren't involved with this, I mean, this wouldn't even be a discussion. There would not be, sports would not be being like pushed out there and like trying to work them back into our society as quickly as, they are kind of being worked in right now. I mean, I think even Gabby Williams said in one of Madeline Kenny's articles that she feels like this is just kind of being accelerated, like maybe just a little too fast. And, uh, you know, I would agree with Gabby on that. And so, yeah, I mean, again, I just, if there wasn't so much money on the line, I mean, this just wouldn't be a discussion. And I hate to say that because that feels so cynical, but that's kind of where we're at right now, you know? And um, even though we both agree that the WNBA should not be returning, we are going to watch this, Chris. We're going to be doing podcasts about this. We and got to, right? It's our job. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, we've already seen some of the league's top players drop out. And, I mean, we've also seen a couple players that, are, that have committed to this. Um, I think Jasmine Thomas today said that she's going to try it out. Emma Miesemann also said that she's going to – report to Florida. But I mean, the loss of Natasha Cloud, John Quell Jones, Latoya Sanders, Renee Montgomery, Tiffany Hayes, and Kelsey Plum um, for non-COVID or um, protesting reasons is going to be out for this season. Things are just a little bit more interesting now. I just, let's talk a little bit about, I think the, the two big ones that, um, I should say the three big players that said that they aren't going to play this season, Natasha Cloud, John Quell Jones and Latoya Sanders. I mean, those are three big names that are going to be missing from this season. I mean, what were your thoughts when you saw that, especially on the Mystics end, like Cloud and Sanders are not going to be playing for Washington this season? Well, from a purely basketball standpoint, it impacts the defending champions' um, title defense. Yeah, uh, Latoya Sanders is a role player, but she's a very good role player. Um, she's she's what the Mystics really not relied upon. But it was it was it was a backbone of their offense. Just having a shooter be able to come off the bench bench and be a mismatch. You know, you have to step outside and guard Latoya Sanders. 
and that takes focus that takes defensive focus away from the any any of any of the other players who could rotate in and out at, at a moment's notice last year it was Christy Tolliver when she came back and was healthy Elena Deladon Emma Mieseman you know any of those any of those players in the rotation so having Latoya Sanders off the you know out of the rotation diminishes what they can do uh, the same goes, you know, Renee Montgomery's a stalwart. We weren't looking at Atlanta to do too much this year, but this yeah. was a, a year for them to see what they could do after losing Angel McCautry to Las Vegas. But, and Natasha Cloud is just, she, I remember, I remember watching her on, on TV in those Sky Mystics games and at the game at Wintrust last season. She's not a scrapper, but she's somebody that, every team needs Mm -hmm. she's somebody who's going to get in people's faces she's going to take the hard foul when it's needed and she's a ball player man you know she's she's a philadelphia ball player she's very important to what they do she can handle the ball when the regular point guard's not on the floor so from a pure basketball standpoint losing those two players is going to greatly affect what they can do uh mike tebow's a good coach they still have one of the best players in the world nolanda deladon but they're going to be affected by that, no doubt. I think losing Cloud is such an enormous loss. I mean, obviously, but like the way that she stepped up in the playoffs too, I mean, just going through her numbers on Synergy yesterday, she stepped it up in the playoffs. She also handles the ball in transition. So mm-hmm. already losing Christy Tolliver, and then now you lose someone else who is like real, who, you know, handles the ball in transition. And I mean, she still handled the ball in the half court as well. I mean, that is a big loss. And Matt said on, the po- on our last podcast, Matt Allentuck, he said that he thought that Latoya Sanders is a better player than Tina Charles right now, too. And, and you know, I that remember Tina, that, yeah. You know, the Tina Charles trade looking pretty good right now, just considering that Latoya Sanders is not playing this season. I do think they take a little bit of a step down because those are two huge pieces that they're losing. I do want to talk about, like, where you, like, see – some of these teams now, I mean, especially the sun, I mean, they just dropped off. So like dramatically for me, they were already like, you know, in the, obviously they were in the conversation for being title contenders, but losing John Quell Jones, your MVP candidate, like (laughs) someone who just obliterates everyone in the paint. To me, the sun, even like with just Dewana Bonner and Jasmine Thomas. And I mean, they've got some other nice pieces as well. I mean, that, that just losing John Quell, I mean, I think that kind of eliminates them from title contention. Yeah, when you lose that much rebounding and that much post presence, especially when you have Dewana Bonner, who's a slasher and an outside shooter, it's you have to you have to get it back somewhere. You you just have to. And she had an MVP caliber season last year. She fell off for a couple of weeks at a time, but she had an MVP caliber season. So when you lose a player like that somebody has to step up and take their place. And I don't know who on Connecticut can stand up and take that spot. You said Jasmine Thomas is, no, Jasmine Thomas is in, so they'll still have her. But it's not, you know, it's not the same. You're going to ask to ask her and the rest of the rotation to pick up a lot of slack. So it's kind of a money ball situation. <laughs> if you take, you know, you know, in the sense of if you have like 17 and 12 from John Quell, where can you, get 17 and 12 from three other players where can you add that into their statistics i have them at number five when we did our podcast with matt Mm -hmm. and 
I would have to knock them down below the sparks now because even bringing Christy Tolliver in, you know, I don't, I don't think that would be much of an adjustment for anybody, for Christy or for the rest of Los Angeles. So I think that would be a pretty seamless transition. Even, you know, in a vacuum, in a normal year, they would be fine. Yeah. This, is, this is a whole different situation. As for the Tina Charles trade, it's good on paper, but Tina Charles isn't Latoya Sanders yeah. in, in the outside shooting ability or, or want to step outside and shoot there. So I think the Mystics will kind of have to reorient themselves and maybe go back to a more, more typical game of, of feeding the ball inside at times, using Tita Charles to as kind of a, a po a, like a, an, or, having, having the shooters orbit her in the post. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a versatile team for sure. So, but I think that would take a little bit more adjustment than, than Connecticut even. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I can't argue with you there. I think it's going to be, I mean, again, I trust that organization so much to be able to figure it out, but you know, Chris, Madeline Kenny reported that Gabby Williams, Ezra Stevens, Ruthie Hebert, Vander Quiggs, and Diamond are all working out in Chicago. And, you know, when we did the power rankings last time, and I know you find it to be a feeble exercise, but, you know, <laughs> I think that, you know, we had them in that, like, five range, I believe, like five, six range. Got to admit, man, I like the Sky's chances of winning this thing a little bit more than I did even two, three weeks ago under this bizarre circumstance that we're living in right now, I like where this team is headed and like how they match up against some of these teams that might lose some more players before the start of the season. You know, like I haven't heard anything about anything else about how this guy, like if there's any players that are thinking about not joining the team in Florida. And I mean, especially if you think about the knocks against, the sky this past off season, I mean, the biggest one was that, you know, they're running everything back while other teams are getting better. Right. So the mystics lose cloud and Sanders, you know, who were, I mean, they were just so crucial last year's team success. And you look at other teams that, you know, like the new, the teams that are trying to integrate new pieces, like the sparks, right. They, they have bona fide pieces in that rotation but they're going to have to figure it all out in a short training camp period with, I think what they report in July. And then they start the season at the end of the July, at the end of July, you have a shaky coach and Derek Fisher. I mean, I hate to say that, but like there were issues in that locker room last year. Okay. So that team is just like, again, I think that talent wise are probably the most talented, but like, I think they're, I mean, there's still question marks around that team. The aces lost Kelsey Plum and, I mean, well, I think Kayla McBride's the only one that can cheat from the outside now. So, like, that really hurts them. The Storm, I mean, you're kind of betting on Brianna Stewart being able to come back from that devastating Achilles injury. I'm not saying that the Sky are going to win it all, but you can't count this team out. And I'm going to quickly knock on wood because I really <laughs> worry that, uh, you know, the, the entire team now gets wiped out. But, like, seriously – I think if you're a Sky fan right now, you have to be looking at this like, okay, there's some big pieces that are gone. And if the biggest knock against the Sky was that they, you know, that they're just running it back and that everyone else improves, but then now everyone else has gone down. 
I don't know. I, I kind of like this guy's chances than like more than I did even two, three weeks ago. And I'm still, I was still bullish on that team back then. <laughs> I, I was a little less. So I had, I had the sky at seven and I know that there's a traditional playoff format. Uh, so your, your top, your top eight teams are going to make it with buys for the top two and we'll top buys for the top four for the first round at least. But like, if you drop Connecticut down, the Sky last year with basically the same team were really competitive against Connecticut. They laid an egg against the Sparks in Los Angeles, but came back to Chicago and beat them. And that was with Candace Parker back in the lineup playing, a, you know, she played limited minutes, but she was back in the lineup. So the Sky can compete with them. Christy Tolliver is going to add a new dimension and she's probably going to eat against uh, the Sky's uh, starting backcourt just because but that's a team that they can compete with. So I would I probably knock them up a couple spots. Seattle with, with Brianna Stewart coming back and and she's had ample time. She's had even more time than expected mm-hmm. because of the postponement. So I really can't bet against Seattle being a top 2 team at the very least. They're my number 1 team. They were my number 1 team and they they're honestly my number 1 team still because they haven't had anybody say that they're going to sit back. I wouldn't be surprised if Sue Bird sits out because she, because she and Rapino are on the front lines of this thing and have been for a while. Sue Bird just spoke up uh, very specifically about racism and social justice saying that, you know, earlier in her career, she was quiet on these things, but now she says she can't afford to be quiet anymore. And just with two players like that, with two athletes like that in the same house, I, they, you know that they have these conversations every day and every night about what's, what's more important in this time. And Sue Bird's won chips. She's got championships. It might be a case where she thinks that this is more important than going for another ring. I wouldn't be surprised on it, honestly. Yeah, you know, I'm with you. The one thing that I feel like, and maybe they, or they're delaying the announcement, or like she's de- delaying the announcement. I just kind of feel like we would have heard that Sue Bird – wasn't playing at this point. I, I don't know why I feel that way. I just feel like she, that would have been communicated to Seattle and that they would give some, give them some more time to figure things out. I mean, one of the great things about, I hate, I so weird saying this. One of the great things that about the pandemic is that some of these players that are not going to report to Florida are giving opportunities to some players that were, you know, either cut because of roster space at the beginning of all of this, um, you know, like a lot of second, third round picks just gone Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you'll, you know, maybe we'll see those players get more opportunities from this because there's a lot of talent out there just because, you know, there's only 12 teams in the WNBA. So, you know, maybe, I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe Sue Bird would have been like, okay, this is how I'm feeling and figure out how to get the best person out there to fill my vacancy, like on, on the roster. I don't know. I mean, I think that's an interesting point though. Like there's some players that have just been definitively, I'm going to do this. And then there's others that are still silent about it. And, you know, Sue Bird and Megan Rapinoe, the most dynamic tandem that you can ask for as uh, voices for, you know, social injustice right now. It's really, they did so well at the ESPYs. They're making all these appearances all over, like in the media right now. I mean, I could also like like you just said they could just continue to ride that out and continue to shine a spotlight on everything that they've spoken about and have tried to become 
voices of. And I mean, Rapino has been doing that for a while now, but like, I feel like there's there's gotta be a couple more players out there that are just going to shock us in the next couple of days. But just again, just going through some of the sky players, like social media, like I thought I saw something today, just like Cheyenne diamond and uh, Vanderquigs were all working out together. And mm-hmm. If no one moves like from that team, or maybe I don't know, maybe one like just one player is unable to report. You know, just the continuity is going to be so important with all of this. And I just I just really like where the sky are at right now. I mean, this this really could be an fu season. Um, now we report on this team, so maybe for us to it seem like a you know a like a legit championship to win. I kind of am interested to see like how people are going to view even in, like across all sports right now, like whoever's team wins, there's going to be someone on the other side saying that, well, it was an abbreviated season. So we're not going to give this the recognition it deserves, but under these circumstances, and we're just focusing on like who is going to win this thing. I really like where the sky are at. I'm not guaranteeing it. I'm just saying that they could be in a worse position. That's true. They got a good rookie pick. Ruthie Hebbard's a nice player. I think she has, uh, she might have reached about as close. She has a high, she has a, not a low ceiling, low, a low, she has a high floor. Sorry, mm-hmm. I misspoke. Yeah. She has a high floor. So I think she would, even with the short season will, will make things difficult. Everybody's getting a crash course rather than their first uh, year, their freshman year in the league of figuring out the pace of the game. But she played on a pretty fast team at Oregon. She played well in that game against Team USA. I think that she'll acclimate fairly quickly. If not within 22 games, she'll at least be ready for next season. And like you said, it's a 22-game season, and everything's so topsy-turvy, anything can go any different way. So it's going to come down to a lot of continuity on teams who's used to playing with each other and coaching decisions. You know, those are going to be even more magnified than usual. And James Wade's a proven coach. He's proven mm-hmm. to be a, a good coach. If he can keep his text down, even better. <laughs> but he's a proven coach. He knows what to do. His players trust him. Now, as to the asterisk, I, oh, man. You can put asterisks on so many seasons. It's hard. Uh, and I've heard arguments from uh, people I re- respect for both for both sides, whether – some seasons should be discounted and whether some shouldn't be. The Spurs won their first championship in the 99 lockout year. The uh, LeBron won his first championship in the 2012 lockout year. And people have kind of let that go by now. I'm sure that the uh, Knicks fans are still mad about 99. <laughs> and um, Thunder fans should be mad about 2012 since, they, since their organization let that team crumble. But it's hard not to say that a 22 game season played at one place with everybody quarantined in hotels has should, should count the same as any other season. That said, if the league puts it on, then it goes in the books. So, you know, if the sky won a championship, I'm not going to not buy champagne for it. <laughs> it'll be somewhat bittersweet champagne. It'll be some like Andre instead of, uh, you know, something better than Andre. Well, so 
I guess the case for saying that this is a valid championship right would be that the league has shifted so much in the last, like, you know, since like 2000, you know what I mean? Like there's just been so many, like the playoff format was so much different than it was before. And you see it just changed so much that, you know, just this, I mean, again, these circumstances are just insane. And then like the mental aspect too, or it's not even just the physical part of like trying to grind out a season um, this quickly, but also just like, being trapped in Florida, you know, just like trying to um, figure it out that way. I just feel like the WNBA has just shifted so much that like, especially in the playoffs and like the playoff format that, I don't know, I would, I personally would consider this to be legitimate, even if this guy don't win. Um, I, I think it's just going to be really fascinating to see what happens, um, you know, at the end of, at the tail end of July here. Um, I'm, I'm excited for the season. I'm just horrified for the people that are going to participate in it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's the same as the players understand. You consider the people who are working there. You got to consider them too. There'll be fewer, there'll be much fewer of them, but there are still people who got to enter the arena, clean everything, clean the locker rooms, clean the press table, clean the, the rep, the officials, locker rooms, uh, even the arena itself, even though there's no fans there, there's the people who've got to open up the parking lots. Any of these people are susceptible to this virus. And that's outside of, <laughs> of wherever. So there, I, you know, people can say what they want about being quarantined in this bubble for sure. But I, you just have to believe that there's some people who are going to interact with players, officials, um, press who aren't going to be in this bubble. You got to televise these games. It's not 1965 anymore. You can't run anything on tape delay or just over there, even just over the radio, or just put the the scores in the box, the box scores in the newspaper online. So you're going to have to have other people there who are not with the regular teams, so that every person that you have in this so to so to speak bubble increases the risk for somebody else getting coronavirus and so it's you know it's just it's just dangerous i was i was for sports coming back to a certain degree and to be fair the the social protests are are you know close to me and close to a lot of people so that changed my mind a bit but also the fact that everything kept ramping up has really changed my mind. We talked to Ricky a couple of months back and everything has really changed since then. You know, it was going on the course that it did. And in some ways it's, it's gotten better, but even this uh, flattening isn't too unexpected. So I, you know, if you don't, if you're going to put an asterisk down, it's gotta be because of that, you know, the leagues change for sure. They can weather the storm. They have more, more people behind them, but I, I think you're just going to see some lasting effects yeah. that don't come out of um, points, rebounds, and assists. Don't come out of the statistics. Yeah, no, it's there. It's going to be, I mean, it's just flat out dangerous. And, you know, that's not like hyperbole. It just is flat out dangerous. You know, I really hope that, you know, Faji was saying that a vaccine could come, you know, by the end of the year, but then there's, issues with how you distribute that and then you also got to think about who is getting the vaccine mm. you know what i mean this privilege behind healthcare, man you know i cover 
a, a few neighborhoods, few communities for my day job. And I think about how, you know, Austin in Chicago, I mean, they were dealing like in, in terms of healthcare, they were really, you know, they were in trouble before. So then when the pandemic happened, they were really, really impacted by this in ways that could have been avoided if enough resources were poured into that community. Um, but then I th- on the other side of it now, like I said, like when there's a vaccine and I really hope that comes soon, certain communities are going to be able to have the access that I know a lot of privileged communities are going to be able to. So I guess yay for sports being back, but at the same time, I mean, you know, it weighs on you, you know, it does. I mean, I, I haven't felt excitement for it. I mean, I've had like doses of it. I felt it, you know, there's been moments where I've been like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to have sports back, but then it's overshadowed almost immediately by the fact that there's so much more going on right now. So <laughs> I don't know. I mean, do you want to end it on that gloom note or you, uh, <laughs> well, you wanna, it, yeah. there's something I was thinking when you, when you talk about uh, the vaccinations, this came up with uh, some of my friends from my, my Facebook chat from my other podcast that I have done when the first proposed uh, study or testing of a vaccine news came out, I believe it was going to be, um, people were either offering it, or it was it was either going to be offered in uh, majority African-American or like black or Latino, Latinx communities. And there's a distrust of vaccines, definitely in the black community still. Um, and I'm, I've, if somebody can can comment on the podcast when we air it, I would I would imagine there might be some distrust of vaccines in the Latinx community as well. And that comes from, you know, the Tuskegee experiment only ended in 1972. People don't, people, you know, this there's been a historical, there's been systemic racism within the medical community too, for black and people, black people and people of color. So, uh, there's a there's a Freddie Gibbs rapper. Freddie Gibbs has a, a line in his song where he says, uh, basically, forget your poison, keep your vaccines off. So even when a vaccine comes out, the people who are most affected by the disease aren't going to be rushing to take it because their parents and their grandparents, even their great grandparents, still remember stories of when they were either affected or their family members were affected by somebody saying they were giving them in the Tuskegee experiment, it was free healthcare and they were injecting people with latent syphilis to see what the effects were over a period of time. You know, that's still fresh. So it's even when that happens, it's not going to be easy. Vaccine, you know, I'm, I, I've been getting shots since I was a kid. My mom had me vaccinated. I'm a believer in vaccination, but I'm not everybody. So it's going to it's gonna take time even with that. You're going to have to convince an entire group of people that the government is working on their behalf when we have protests every day because the government's not working on their behalf. So you're going to have, you're going to have to try and re, you're trying to have to try and re earn, earn back a group's trust. Mm-hmm. Yo. Absolutely. In a a very delicate situation. And I don't think this can be underestimated. Um, It kind of depends on how things turn out in November, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know this is a WNBA podcast and we veered into this other thing, but you know what I mean? Sports here. We don't do that. You know, it's important to like think about these things, especially in the context of sports. I mean, 
you know, depending on even the outcomes, uh, the outcome in November, like it'd be, who knows what, like even next sports, like the next sports season is going to be like, especially in the WNBA. I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of people are focused on right now, but I'm even thinking about like even 12 months from now, this is going to all look like, you know, it's, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. I'm really excited to, I mean, I am excited to like get back on the pod with you and break this down a little bit more. And that's a really nice distraction and times in which it's hard to be distracted. Um, but Chris, I mean, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap all this up? Oh man, we're, we're going forth into the, into the unknown just with everybody else. So bigger ups to everybody covering the, the league this year, yeah. covering the W it'll be interesting. And as much as I hope that we don't have a season, I also hope we don't have a 10 game season that gets canceled for a catastrophic event. Yeah, me too, man. I, that honestly, that feels like the worst case scenario, but you know, trying to keep the positive vibes going as much as we can. Thanks for talking with me today. I'm really excited to, uh, you know, get rolling with this a little bit more consistently. So yeah, thanks for everything, my man. Thank you, James. Always good to be on. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Skyhook. If you want to contact me or Chris, you can always do so by emailing our mailbag, which is the Skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter, whether it's our personal accounts or the show's account, which is at Skyhookin. Feel free to DM us there and we will for sure hit you back. And we would really appreciate it if you could rate and review the show. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. We would really appreciate it if you did that to give us some feedback. And more than anything else, just I hope that all of you are staying safe out there. Hope you're feeling okay physically and mentally. I know these are crazy times, and I know Chris and I are thinking about all of you out there, and we just appreciate you supporting the show. So... We wish you all the best and until next time.